What it is, is it's the Heritage Foundation's foundational document for the next conservative president's first 180 days in office in 2025. So that that is actually what it purports to be. It is backed by over 80 conservative organizations. The Koch brothers are in on it. I mean, just basically every conservative uh, foundation you can imagine is part of this. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Bituation Room. So happy to have you here. Glad you decided to stop by. You decided to press play. You decided to not be all by a little lonesome doing the dishes or brushing your teeth or whatever it is you're doing. Um, I hope you are all buying your loved ones um, gift cards because that's what they deserve. And that's all that we want, really. Um, Hope you're having a good holiday season thus far. We have... I don't know. I don't know if it's a cheerful show, but it'll be an interesting one. We are, we're going to end the show with a little bit of holiday spirit. <laughs> uh, stand by for maybe the most tasteless segment we've done, but it'll be good. Um, Nato Green is here joining me uh, for the show. Super excited to have him back. Uh, also, Derek Barris of the Conspirituality Podcast is here, and we're going to talk about Project 2025. Yes, this is the plan hatched by the Heritage Foundation to anoint Trump, to make him king for life, to, um, yeah, induct him into the Hall of Fame of destroying democracy. Just a dictator, just making him a statue in Harlan Crow's mansion. That is the plan going forward if Donald Trump gets reelected. Um, and it is why, as and we'll talk about this, as heinous as everything is now, somehow it can get worse. (laughs) Um, But, you know, tell that to the people of Gaza who are um, continuing to be um, genocided. Yeah, it's a word. Uh, And uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about the the lack of free speech on college campuses. We're going to talk about, um, oh, this is a nice one. COP28, yeah, 28 years of trying to solve the climate crisis. Oh, what is it? What do we do? Um, This time around, COP28 is just kind of a, it's it's just kind of an expo for oil and gas companies. You know, they come with their little dioramas. It's like a, it's like a job expo, really. It's a drill expo. So we're going to get into why uh, that is and why it matters because we are, at a few dangerous precipices. So before we jump in, you guys know what to do. You're liking the stream, you're sharing the stream right now. Uh, If you're on uh, the audios and you're listening as a podcast, thank you so much for being here. Make sure you give this podcast five stars. Just leave a little review. Say something nice. What's an episode you liked? Who's a guest that you enjoyed hearing from? What was your favorite show of the year? That's interesting. Um, This is our second to last show. We're going to be taking a break. Uh, We'll be off for the final week of the year. So again, second to last show, but we'll be back in 2024, not just with this show online or in your ear holes, but also live. That's right. January 28th. That is a Sunday. January 28th, right? Am I getting that wrong? Is it 20? No, January 28th. Sunday, January 28th at 7 p.m. at the Gateway Theater. Uh, NATO and I will be back uh, live for you all. And we're going to be hosting... Emma Vigland of the Majority Report and Miles Gray of the Daily Zeitgeist. So Zeitgang, Majoristas, 
who, whoever, whatever you call yourselves, Frantifa, let's go. Um, we're doing it again live. We sold out last year. It was super fun. So we have a bigger venue. No pressure, but get your ass there. Also, the night before, Saturday, NATO and I are going to be doing stand-up. So you won't see stand-up on Sunday, but you will see it on uh, Saturday. So we'll do stand-up with Corinda Dobbins and Daya Lakshminarayanan, both comics who've done my show before. It'll be good. Uh, we're calling that show, I think, uh, Corn Pops and Space Lasers. Um, you know, an election year. So that'll be very, very fun. Get your tickets, sfsketchfest.com uh, or org or the link in the description right now without further ado i want to bring him in um he is a father yeah i know uh he's a dad he is a union organizer and he's a com comedian and you've heard him on this podcast and on the bugle podcast please welcome nato green nato i forgot to mention we have a patreon um mention it I'm going to mention it, guys. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. Uh, last week, we talked about how, did you know, Nato, that Moms of Liberty or Moms for Liberty, there's like pedophiles in that group, even though they stand, they're supposedly it's a liberty. working against. I mean, it's in the name. Yeah, It's right there. Um, but yeah, we talked about that. We also looked at some clips we won't look at today from the hearing uh, where at least Stefanik Grills um the president of harvard claudine gay about the word intifada it's fun it was good i had a lot of thoughts patreon.com slash situation room you can get all the old bonus episodes some good shit nato's been on as well sort of uh give a longer time to blab and blab and blab but um nato francesca i gotta tell you i was recently i was i was doing a gig in Kauai, and i was wearing my situation t-shirt you were and a guy came up to me like a, like a like a very burly dude came up to me and was like i like your I, I love that shirt and i said oh it's a comedy podcast and he said i just like that it says bitch oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah because uh, uh women are bitches remember you yeah. know what i'm saying uh i i like <laughs> that is that's a very kawaii i feel like that's a very kawaii experience yep. um just like i just like bitch you know, everyone's so positive out here. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a rough gig. Hell gig, really. Mm. Uh, Kawhi, my God, I'm sorry. Um, but there's so much to bitch about. And then we have to talk about, you know, uh, the end of democracy very soon. So why don't we get to it, Nato? Um, we're, I brought you in so we could both jointly bitch. We could, you know, sort co of... Co-bitch. Co-bitch, exactly. Um, Nato is my co-bitcher. Um, and specifically to talk about this clip that came out uh, earlier today... Or last night, I think it's evening, I guess, Joe Biden. Um, and he is basically saying, uh, once again, reaffirming Israel's rights to defend itself um, or murder 18,000 and counting uh, civilians, um, which I think like 1% have maybe kind of somehow been at one point in their lives a Hamas fighter. So like, you know, pretty good odds there. We, we've gone into those stats, even by the IDF's own admission. Terrible. A lot of those children could be Hamas fighters in the future if they hadn't been deaded. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so here he is once again, not changing his tune in the slightest. Again, this is the week after the UN, uh, the US vetoed the UN resolution calling for a ceasefire. And this is what he says about the importance of Israel and uh, keeping Jews safe. As I said after the attack, my commitment to the safety of the Jewish people and the security of Israel 
and its right to exist is independent, as an independent Jewish state is unshakable. Folks, were there no Israel, there wouldn't be a Jew in the world who was safe. Were there no Israel. Woo! Yes, yes. Go off, King. Now, I really like, here's the thing about this clip, NATO, is I think nothing encapsulates um, what is wrong with Joe Biden and what is wrong with running him as the Democrats. Democratic Party's nominee for president uh, is the fact that he is unable to say unshakable or unwavering, like he literally cannot say it, cannot get the word out. Um, without and wavering and shaking. Without wavering and shaking. <laughs> and then also says, without Israel, not a Jew in the world would be safe. Um, this is a place where you could arguably, you could make the argument that more Jews have been killed. In fact, Zionists have made that argument that more Jews have been killed there since the Holocaust. Not necessarily the safest place, but then again, NATO, I'm not a Jew. I assume only in the last few months you've been thinking, God, how do I get to safety? Must move to Israel. I mean, I, yeah, Biden is horribly off message with the Jewish community because the, the official line of the uh, Jewish establishment right now is that Jews are horribly unsafe everywhere in the world, uh, including Israel, but also everywhere else. So uh, we have the existence of a Jewish state now, and uh, and and we keep telling everyone that we're not safe. So uh, I, like, I don't... And here's the thing, is Jews survived in the diaspora for 2000 years uh and and it like i just think if 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 your primary concern is the safety of the jewish people a jewish state is a bad idea because they're putting us all in one place it makes us easy targets the, there, our survival depends on spreading us around like well, that's literally says, what christian zionists want they're like you right. get them all together you and then jesus together, comes back and then it's fish them. in a barrel you can just nuke them all at once Jew problem solved. Bet spread us out like Horcruxes. We're like Voldemort in this in this analogy. <laughs> spread us out like Visa, where Jews are everywhere you want to be. Like, like I mean, uh, that's honestly been my life. Like, that's the story of my life. I'm not Jewish, but pretty much it's there everywhere I want to be. Um, right. And and I mean, I, like, I have nothing to do with Israel, but I'm still like the kind of Jew who, like, when I'm on vacation, some like no matter where I'm going, like I I literally have been to Mexico City. Huh? Opened the phone book, looked for the Cohen page, and then <laughs> walked to that neighborhood and just walked around knocking on people's doors, being like, Do you have challah? Until someone offered me challah. Like, I have done that. It's Polanco, by the way, is where the Jews are in Mexico City. Uh, oh and God. there is a Cohen page, and they're all in Polanco. So That's uh, the most NATO green and psycho <laughs> thing I've ever heard. That's they, like, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, everywhere I go, I look up where the Jews are and I right. knock on their door. Or, or there's a plaque, you know, that I can stand next to of like, this is where we killed the Jews. Like, right, right, right. That happens. Yes. Like I go visit the plaque and I take a picture near the plaque of where they killed the Jews. But back to back to Joe Biden. This is a guy who said that the reason that he ran for president is the Unite the Right rally, a clearly anti-Semitic white nationalist rally that killed a woman. Um, and that he felt like Nazism was coming back to the United States. Ergo, he's got to run for president. And he says that Israel is the only safe place. Not a Jew in the world would be safe without Israel. I mean, it's so wild to me. And I, I, I don't like 
it incenses me. I'm not Jewish, but I can imagine the idea that like, yeah, no, you're not safe here only by, you know, by the hand of 14 billion more dollars uh, committed to Israeli weapons to, you know, again, ethnically cleanse the people of Gaza. Are you going to be safe in San Francisco? I mean, and, and the other, uh, you know, the the uh, the other thing uh, I'm getting dangerously close to saying that Jews are Jews are tricky and you need to keep an eye on us. But um, uh, <laughs> so I might anti-Semitic trope myself. But once again, but the the other thing that keeps coming up is like the, it's like the the Zionist argument relies turns concrete questions into abstract ones. Right. So like like does Israel have a right to exist? Should there be a, a Jewish homeland is a different is a is an abstract question. Sure, I would like there to be a, a, a theoretically potentially a Jewish homeland where Jews can be safe and whatever if that's what Jews want. But that's not the question in front of us. The question in front of us is at what cost should there be a Jewish homeland? And if the cost of a Jewish homeland is 6000 dead children like right now, is that cost too high? Uh right. Like it's a concrete question that has actual trade-offs for people uh, that, and you can't like hide behind it with these like, you know, art, like these like sort of, you know, Socratic political theories. Yeah. That are oh, disconnected oh, but from the real world. Absolutely. I mean, can... Oh, but they do. And then, and it, what's crazy is that then you also beyond the 6,000, you know, you know, children dead, you have 1,200 or nearly 1,200 military and civilians israeli civilians dead and israel sort of run on this idea that well okay as long as our body count or is far less than their body count or vice right as long as they're we kill far more then it's all hunky-dory and it's all good and we'll all just forget you know they're currently israelis in the streets protesting netanyahu for the you know not trying to prioritize the release of hostages etc etc et so i just i'm like by, I mean, we'll talk about how terrible the other option in terms of Trump is, but like the the fact that Biden has not changed his tune, not just in two months, in his entire career, my dude is heralding himself from like the late 70s. I said it then. And isn't it wonderful now? No, it's terrible. It's worse. You should evolve on these issues, just like the, you know, the Israeli government has completely, um, you know, made a hard right turn. Uh, as if that, uh, you know, truly, as if, you know, any other turn would would um, mitigate the actual occupation. But, like, still, it's just, there's a perfect example of why people are souring on, it, on him, on his candidacy, and why we need to get J.B. Pritzker and or who else? Oh, Sean Fain. We're just recruiting Sean Fain, NATO. I've decided we're recruiting Sean Fain for president. I, I know some people are excited about the governor of Kentucky, too. He's like who's that again? I think his name is Andy Bashar. And he's oh, like this like folk oh. Billy who's like pro teachers unions and trans rights. Right, right, right. But isn't he also oh, like yeah. a former like investment banker dude or like hedge fund guy? I thought he also had, but it doesn't matter. It does, yeah. I mean, they're all gonna be corporate at this point. Um, unless it's Sean Fain. Sean, I know you watch, I know that was you and Kawhi. Yeah. Um <laughs> run for president my god um but let's let's turn to what you're bitching about nato that's what i'm bitching about is our effing president what yeah. about you well it's a little bit related um francesca you know what yes. i want for christmas yeah okay. I, I want anyone to in the press to ever ask a fucking follow-up question um i would like people to like not be just like like 
ridiculously credulous about whatever bullshit comes out. So here's what I'm, what I'm talking about. Uh, a few weeks ago, the Oakland City Council passed a proceeds fire resolution. Right. Um, there was, I wasn't there at the hearing, um, but uh, like, because of, I'm in the Bay and you know, whatever, it like- Yeah, it takes three hours to get across the bridge, got it, it. It blew up my group text, like all the all the, <laughs> all the signal chats. Uh, so I, I was, you know, paying attention to what was happening in real time. And there was five hours of public comment in support, in support of ceasefire's resolution. Afterwards, the Jewish Community Relations Council cut together a one-minute video where they pulled out uh, a minute worth of sound bites out of five hours yes. of public comment that made it seem like uh, the people of Oakland unanimously supported Hamas. It was like it was pretty much like a straight-up Project Veritas hatchet job uh, on the Oakland City Council. And a couple of things about it. One is it's the Jewish Community Relations Council, which uh, purports to represent the organized Jewish community, but is like part of the uh is like a you know there's no open space between them and like the idf i actually right, right when i when i was in college i had an internship with the jcrc the same organization and like where Ooh. they were sort of you know uh i needed money and i was like i'll go have a jewish in, uh internship where people got you applied and then people placed you with different jewish nonprofits. And so i got placed with the jcrc um and saw how they methodically pushed out jews on the left Jews who were not like completely in lockstep with the Israeli government and even working class Jews. Um, and, but then they, then they, so they're, they're, this is not a dispassionate group. This is a Zionist lobbying group, a uh, pro-Israel lobbying group. They cut together this video. In the video, if you look at it, a lot of the people, even with the questionable comments are like from like various like Marxist sectarian organizations. And of it's course. public, it's public comment in Oakland where if you watch any government hearing in the Bay Area, crazy people will show up and say things in public comment because that's what happened. Yeah. So, but the, but the video went viral. And so then so it got many splinter groups, so it, many Marxist right. Leninist organizations. Yeah. yeah. So many denunciation like, and purges. And so a lot of polyamory speak. Uh, and so the, 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 the spin on the, on the, was that the Oakland city council, um, you know, was fully in support of these people who were supporting Hamas. And then it continues to be repeated. And this is the, this is the last point I want to make about it is that the Oakland City Council refused to consider an amendment that would condemn Hamas. Did anyone who said that and repeated that talking point actually look at what the text of the amendment said? I have it here. The language that was rejected was to add the amendment was, whereas both the Palestinian people in Gaza and the people of Israel are victims of Hamas through repression and violence. So mm. it wasn't that, that the Oakland City Council refused to condemn Hamas. They did. They, uh, the Oakland City Council refused to blame Palestinian people for their own suffering on, on Hamas. Um, and, and But people didn't click through to fucking look at the text. They just they repeated the talking point. Uh, and you know, and so then that's the that's the narrative. But that's of course, and the about. idea that's a good thing to bitch about because the idea that public comment, like we watch a lot of crazy public comment from the right, from the Proud Boys, and we laugh at them or we talk about what they said, but we don't then say, and this city council hook, line, and sinkered all of it. No, this was a rando speaking about a particular, yeah, amendment resolution. So yeah, of course, and of course the media is just going to pick up on that, and it's really. You got to do your due diligence. And it's so I mean, it's the same thing this week with, you know, the head of the Council of uh, American Islamic Relations, whose comments are being taken out of context. And again, it's all a massive distraction. If we can get hung up on some, 
you know, yeah, fringe Marxist Leninist, <laughs> like chick with white dreads in Oakland, you know, talking about how Hamas is justified, then we don't have to look at, you know, yeah, the uh, the babies off their incubators decomposing in their beds. The, the another hospital that has just been raided overnight. Like the fact that we're going to hit 20K in terms of the number of dead Gazans this week. Um, it's just wild gaslighting. I'm so fucking sick of it. And I'm going to be, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but that's a good thing to bitch about. Uh, there is more. I forgot to play our little interstitial guys. Uh, a lot happened this week, but only two things I want to focus on. This is the week where. So this was the week where, um, presidents of Ivy league colleges proved that they truly live. Um, I mean, I don't know in an ivory tower they do not come down they do not and that's sort of that ivory tower is very deep in the sand they do not stick their head up they don't pay attention to what happens in congressional hearings and has been happening in congressional hearings especially since republicans have been in control of the house which is non-stop gotcha questions just hauling up anyone and being like isn't it true that you're gay you know like isn't it true that you adopted a child like what like isn't it true you like hunter biden's dick oh no that's me like it's just a series of gotchas that's all they do they like hauled mickey mouse you know up there and was like isn't it true you don't wear a shirt because you had chest surgery you know what i mean like that's the level of seriousness of call it of, of these um uh, congressional hearings. And yet, in this hearing called Holding Campus Leadership Accountable and Confronting Anti-Semitism, the presidents of Harvard University and University of Pennsylvania, uh, Elizabeth McGill uh, of UPenn and um, uh, Claudine Gay of Harvard uh, were interrogated by Republicans in the House and specifically one Elise Stefanik, a MAGA Republican in New York, um, who herself has actually dabbled in actual anti-Semitism, and we'll talk about it in a second. And my God, NATO, I'm not sure how much of this you caught or watched. I spoke on this show uh, in our bonus episode about the word intifada and how Elise Stefanik got hung up on that word and asked Claudine Gay if she agrees that intifada means the genocide of Jews. And instead of saying, no, I don't agree, or that is technically not what it means, or no one was calling for that on my campus, she said, I find that language abhorrent. And then when Elise was like, okay, so you find it abhorrent, is it grounds for termination? Is it grounds, is it hate speech? She was not able to say that it was hate speech or that it was grounds for termination. So it basically flunked on both sides. Um, and another example of that was the president of, of, of UPenn, uh, Elizabeth McGill, who has since resigned in part because of this answer that she gave to Elise Stefanik uh, and her line of questioning. Take a look. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. 
It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. Yeah. Not a good performance all around. Um, so that's what she said. Um, she then resigned, and I think it makes sense given a lot of the context. But, Nato, I just wanted to get your reactions to how these elite institutions approach what was clearly going to be a gotcha hearing. Yeah, I, re I read one report that called it a, called it a show trial. Um, my favorite detail about this, this, this stuff that's specifically happening in higher ed is that, like, if Jews don't want people to believe the anti-Semitic uh, uh, trope that there's a, like, shadowy cabal of wealthy Jews that control American institutions, then we should stop doing that where like Jewish donors are pressuring schools to fire people. <laughs> like, um, and specifically Harvard is getting pressure from the Wexner foundation as in Leslie Wexner, the owner of the limited who is, if you uh, are following along at home, the reason that Jeffrey Epstein existed. Um, uh, like he was, he was the person who set Jeffrey Epstein up in business and supported him his entire Jesus. career. And th those are the people who are now leaning on Harvard to uh, to fire people and disband student clubs over allegations of anti-Semitism. So right, supposed anti-Semitism. There's so many layers to this. Um, and picking up on what you just said, you know, we also on the show watched, uh, you know, clips of Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens. Basically, Tucker was like, you know taking the line that there is anti-Semitism on campus, which effectively, according to the ADL, is uh, pro-Palestinian protests or calling for a ceasefire or being anti-Zionist. Um, and he was like, why should we help you? Because all you are is an elite institution and you, and again, here's his great replacement theory, which by the way, Elise Stefanik has also trafficked in talking about this, you know, uh, grand amnesty to 11 million undocumented immigrants. Said basically, why should we help you? Because all you do is indoctrinate people and effectively like pave the way for like immigrants to come to this country. And you, that you is exactly who you're saying is high powered Jews, Jews with money, Jews who are donors, right? So it's so fucked in a million different ways, but totally they're playing into this far right anti Semitic trope. Um, and in terms of some of that pressure for uh, on Miss McGill, um, Rossell Stevens, I don't know if he's Jewish, but a hedge fund manager began the process of withdrawing a donation valued at $100 million, said he would not reconsider until Penn had new leadership. The Rowan-led advisory board at Wharton Penn's business school pressed for changes, too. Um, that's after 70 members of Congress called for the firing of Miss McGill, and she did resign. Claudine Gay of Harvard, again, uh, who had a, also a terrible hearing, has not resigned. Um, this was, I think, really interesting because... Um, this was uh, Mr. Bach, or what is his name? I apologize. Uh, he's part of the he's part of the board, uh, an advisory board at uh, UPenn, and he uh, also resigned. And he gave he he said something that I think was really spot on. He said that her position, Miss McGill's position, was no longer tenable. She and I concluded and decided it was time for her and him to exit. And then he said, worn down by months of relentless external attacks, she was not herself last Tuesday, overprepared and overlawyered 
Given the hostile forum and high stakes, she provided a legalistic answer to a moral question, and that was wrong. It made for a dreadful 30-second soundbite in what was more than five hours of testimony. So again, with the cherry picking, but it's true, that looked horrible. And speaking of, like, yeah, that does, it did feel like the most over-lawyered, labored, like, consult your notes and say that, no, she's just asking you about the idea of Jewish genocide. Just say it's bad. And if you want, talk about how students on your campus aren't actually calling for Jewish genocide. Talk about how, like, the Intifada, global Intifada doesn't mean that. Maybe you could talk about how your students are actually being doxxed um, by pro-Israel groups. Um, maybe their their uh, job opportunities are being lost and their, uh, yeah, their addresses and their names are being projected onto trucks outside of their schools. Maybe that's happening. Is it happening to Jewish students? No, it's not. What's happening? Um, just wide protests, die-ins, sit-ins, hunger strikes for, you know, the Palestinian people. That's what's happening. So what the fuck? I mean, I am so fucking disgusted, not just by these people individually, but by the institutions that they represent, obviously. And producer Paige alerted me to some, you know, some tweet being like, this is the worst thing a Harvard president has ever done. Harvard presidents own slaves, y'all. Like, they were slave owners. This is the worst thing? Come on now. Well, and, I mean, just, you know, the like uh attacks on academic freedom historically have been bad for the jews um you know that like the 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 thing that i feel like has been um i think like there's a people are talking about it in terms of like a new mccarthyism to attack on you know that conflates all pro-palestinian speech with uh, or pro-peace speech with attacks on Jews. So no one mm -hmm. is calling for the genocide of Jews, but people are saying, like, if free Pal I interpret free Palestine to mean that you're calling for the genocide of Jews. Yes, and yes. So it's like, it's like a, it, you know, there's a couple of steps in the in the dance there. Um, but it, I like, it's, I, I actually think that what's happening isn't just about um, Israel. I think it's about... Uh, you know, yes, definitely. There's an Israel lobby that's actively pushing this message in order to protect to shut down criticism of Israel. But I also think the right has pounced on it, and mm. the class has pounced on it because it divides the democratic base. It 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 pits a, a historic Jewish democratic voter a voter base against a historic Arab and young democratic voter base, and puts the puts the part. It's a trap for the party, and they've been looking for these wedge issues, whether it's like, you know, it was a abortion and it was gay marriage and it was trans stuff and it was bathrooms and it was pronouns and it was wokeness and it was critical race theory and none of it was getting purchased among key voters, but this is. And so I think like this is the issue that they want to use to attack uh, progressive politics generally and not just protect Israel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what's so enraging though, I think you're right, but I think the Democratic Party and the, this unwavering support of Israel, no matter what kinds of crimes it's committing, no matter the occupation, no matter the settlements, has allowed for that wedge issue to be even drawn, you know? When it's like, who's been censured? Yeah, Marjorie Green was told she had to go to the Holocaust Museum. No, I don't even know if she was censured for her, her remarks about, like, you know, the Rothschild space laser, right? But Ilhan Omar gets censured. Uh, Rashida Tlaib uh, and gets censured just now, right? Like. These are the people who are told that they're being anti-Semitic when 
we have motherfuckers like Nick Fuentes of, you know, the America first, whatever the fuck, going off, literally saying we should kill Jews in this country. And he and Donald Trump are homies. And uh, like Marjorie Greene and Paul Gosar and other Republican Congress people have gone and spoken at his conference. Elise Stefanik, again, trafficked in the idea that wealthy Jews are paying for immigrants to come to the United States and to, you know, fill the Democratic ranks with their votes. Like, it's just wild that we've left this door open for the fucking right to claim that the left is being anti-Semitic. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So, I mean, and back to my earlier point about, about not being credulous about everything, like, uh, you know, NATO green will read the data and, um, and I am pretty skeptical that like, it's again, it's, there's a narrative that gets repeated and repeated. Chuck Schumer did a whole thing about it, about the, the surging wave of anti-Semitism. But if you look at the underlying data, unless you define criticism of Israel or affirmation of Palestinian humanity as anti-Semitism, the data doesn't support the claim that there is, in fact, a surging wave of anti-Semitism. I went to the ADL's website. They have an interactive map of all the anti-Semitic incidents since October 7th. Most of what's on the map is pro-Palestinian rallies. Right. Uh, what is, there's like, I counted, there were 23 incidents of, of assaults, like, which included things like throwing water at people, uh, in the, in the entire country, 23 incidents of anti, of what were defined as anti-Semitic assaults. So, and none of them like actually resulted in, you know, it was nothing like the Palestinian students that got shot. Similarly, the FBI database, most of what has occurred and been recorded in the form of anti-Semitic incidents is vandalism. Yes. Uh, is bad yes. if there's anti-Semitic vandalism, but it's, it doesn't mean that like there are marauding people out there stabbing Jews to death. Had there, like Jews have not been systematically murdered in the United States by anti-Semites since October 7th. There's not evidence that there be, you know, again, concerned about vandalism, but the, the funny thing about vandalism is that nobody's getting charged with it. So it's right. like, is it coming from the right? Is it coming from the pro-Palestinian movement? It, like, who's the who's motive? Is it just crazy people who are taking? No, it? it's coming from the first of all. It's coming from the motherfucking right. Like, I'm just so done with this, and the ADL is such is so is I so mean, pitiful. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the ADL doing some of it themselves. Like, oh god, I mean, you know? well, well, I mean, effectively, they are if they're say if they're so sensitive that like anyone who has says free Palestine is calling for the genocide of Jews, right? But no, I mean, look at the Tree of Life Synagogue massacre, right? Look at Jewish headstones toppled when Donald Trump won. People zig heiling when Donald Trump won. Like, fucking miss me with the idea that pro-Palestinian uh, pro activists are leading. They're all Jewish, number one. They're, those are the people who are leading this call for a ceasefire are Jews. Um, but it's just, anyway, we could go on. But we have more depressing news to get to. Very important. Um, but look guys um oh wait there's something more depressing don't stop now, some, somehow there's more depressing oh i know yes uh everybody keep it together but uh this week wrapped up the cop 28 so the un climate summit the the 28th time that they gather together and this one was held in the united arab emirates and arguably um the wheels have come off of this whole process and or hey. Hang on, you know what I have to say about this, Francesca? What? All cops are bastards. What's up? Hey. Hey. It's, yeah, all cops 
all cops are bastards. Um, and also it's it isn't been a massive cop out this entire time. <laughs> truly, the cop process for reigning in climate change, for trans, you know, uh, uh transitioning to renewable energy has always been a showboaty, stupid, not stupid, but largely um symbolic and not actually like concrete conference has does no plan to hold anybody accountable has no money to actually make a transition away from fossil fuels possible and this cop has proved that like people are actually using it to just do um you know business deals so the cop president of the uae sultan al jaber who is also the abu dhabi national oil company head has used the climate talks just like a, a very ex, as a very, very extended like business lunch. Um, so according to the Center for Climate Reporting, that got 150 documents from two whistleblowers, um, Al Jaber has led meetings with at least 30 different countries about new and existing oil and gas initiatives and deals and pipelines, talking about China, Egypt, Senegal, Kenya, Venezuela, and Brazil. And again, this is not to say that UAE or the Middle East is special in that. The United States definitely also does that and has done that, maybe just not as brazenly. Um, and a lot of folks, including our boy Al Gore, you know, there he was. He could have been president. He, he really could have been if he just had a, you know, balls. Um, he tweeted out, COP28 is now on the verge of complete failure. The world desperately needs to phase out fossil fuels as quickly as possible. But this obsequious draft of this resolution reads as if opaque, OPEC dictated it word for word. Well, that's because they did. Uh, it is even worse than many had feared. It is of the petrostates, by the petrostates, and for the petrostates, it's deeply offensive to all who've taken this process seriously. Yeah. There are 24 hours left to show whose side the world is on, the side that wants to protect humanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything else is a step backwards where the world needs to truly address the climate crisis and make sure 1.5 degrees Celsius gold doesn't die in Dubai. Um, again, NATO... There's a little bit of like petrostate, petrostate, let's blame the Gulf states for like the broad failure that we all knew that the COP process was a failure. And part of that is because there has been, and this is a, a senior policy analyst at ActionAid USA, Brandon Wu, who, uh, who sort of explained why COP has been such a failure, and that's because there's been no money invested in actually transitioning off of fossil fuels. He, uh, he writes, only developed countries have the ability to deliver the missing ingredient to make the whole process work. Not only are they not doing it, they're signaling they never want to do it by watering all new text recalling their obligations. It's never been clear that providing finance is not only an ethical imperative, it's also a climate imperative. If we must play a blame game, let's point the finger at the developed countries that have been consistently failing at this imperative. In other words, the whole idea behind COP was we want to transition off of fossil fuels. And now that we're actually getting to that moment after nearly 30 years, it's like, but I don't want to. And UAE is more explicit. And they're like, but I want to drill more. And I'm going to use COP as, again, my own little private business meeting. But NATO, you alerted me uh, to an article that uh, we'll just briefly talk about, but it's very, very important that we all get very Thunberg on on our on in this moment um, and tell everyone to go fuck themselves because we are at as the Guardian, well the Guardian reports uh, points out that there is a new report about uh, tipping points that the Earth 
is hitting. Uh, tipping points uh, is are basically um, not slow, effectively not like slow global warming, the sort of slow boiling of the frog, but like actually fairly rapid collapses of our ecosystem. Uh, a couple of them or four of them include the melting of the ice sheets in Greenland and West Antarctic, the widespread thawing of permafrost, the death of coral reefs in warm waters, the collapse of one oceanic current in the North Atlantic. But then there's a, uh, a few more uh, like, hang on this one, this one I was, Oh, the, hang on wherever it went. Oh, the mangroves, sorry, the mangroves and seagrass meadows, which are expected to die off in some regions if the temperature rises between 1.5 and two degrees Celsius and boreal forests, which may tip as early as 1.4 degrees Celsius of heating or as late as five degrees Celsius. Um, so unlike other changes, tipping points uh, such as hotter heat waves and heavier rainfall, these systems do not slowly shift in line with greenhouse gas emissions, but can flip from one state to an entirely different one. When a, cli when a climatic system tips, sometimes with a sudden shock, it may permanently alter the way the planet works. So... So if I'm hearing this correctly, some of these old ass motherfuckers who think that they're going to make as much money as possible before it every it all turns to shit might not actually make it. They might die in a wildfire or a flood as well, not just their children and grandchildren. I uh, I feel inspired. I mean, uh, my reaction, it reminds <laughs> me of... Um, uh, a joke that I love by Will Durst. Uh, Will Durst, the dean of political comedy from San Francisco. Who, <laughs> the dean. <laughs> the dean, who uh, had a stroke a few years ago, and we wish him a speedy recovery, but he used to do this joke that I love so much about how, about the, per the permafrost, I can do it word for word, the permafrost is melting. Never in the history of humanity has the permafrost melted, hence the name permafrost <laughs> in addition to all of our other problems now we need to come up with a new name for permafrost <laughs> the frost formerly known as perma often frosty <laughs> often frosty it reminds me of um my favorite climate change joke is um aaron dewey Lennox, who talks about having kids and is like a lot of people think it's irresponsible to have kids, you know, in the time of climate collapse, but at least my kid and I will die at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just... that's, 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 that's more uplifting than, 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 than my version of the joke, which was that my plan was to fatten myself so that my kids have something to eat. <laughs> Oh my God, that's awful. Um, look, I think it is, I'm not saying that Gulf states aren't like mostly just running on oil and are craven, but I also think that other countries are just as craven. And uh, the idea that the cop up until this point was like, you know, all hunky dory and corporate free, that's bullshit. Um, there was never really a seriousness around transitioning at, and definitely not money being put behind it. You're talking about China, Egypt, Senegal. I mean, places like Senegal, Kenya, Venezuela, and Brazil. It's like, again, pay them, put the money down and pay them to stop exploiting the resources. That's all. That's the way forward is to pay the global South to not um, like drill. That will save us. That's what we have to do. Anyway. 
and stop using bottled water at your conferences. We have to move on. We are very, very far behind. Um, it this somehow, even when we started with fake anti-Semitism claims and Joe Biden, that was the happiest this show is going to be. Then it was just a slow slide down and to, you know, sort of general human extinction. But then there's something before human extinction, at least we think, which is the end of American democracy or whatever we have left of it. And joining me to talk about that, host of the Conspirituality Podcast, devoted to dismantling New Age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis, once again, Derek Barris. Derek, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me back. And uh, I have to say, as someone from California, you use the word fuck as much as someone from Jersey, so I have to give you props for that. <laughs> People, uh, people think I give I give off East Coast vibe, if Coast vibe, which I do. I, I, I heard I a do. lot of that in that segment. Absolutely, it's the uh, the Italian Chinese, which again I say is functionally Jewish NATO. Um, it's that it brings out that Jersey in me. <laughs> <laughs> um, NATO was born and bred in California. I mean, in San Francisco. So I don't know how he turned, how he got the way he is. I'm a fucking Jew from a city. That's I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Derek, we have to talk about Project 2025. You um, did this awful thing, and you've read most of a thousand-page document that explains it. Can you just explain what it like? Where did it come from? Who put it out? Okay, it comes from the Heritage Foundation, and specifically, Kevin Roberts took over Heritage as president in 2021. He okay. comes from the Wyoming Catholic College. He was the president there. But to continue your recent talk just now on COP28, he was the CEO of the Texas Publicly Policy Foundation, and this is a conservative think tank based in Austin. Part of their agenda is explaining the forgotten moral case for fossil fuels. Oh God! So, so this is this is where it comes from. Uh, I pulled out some of the intro. Now it's 920 pages. Project 2025. We'll get into what it is specifically, but his opening introduction. Uh, this is how he lays it out. It is the next conservative president must make the institutions of American civil society hard targets for culture warrior for woke culture warriors. This starts with deleting the terms sexual Ooh. orientation and gender identity, diversity, equity, and inclusion, gender, gender equality, gender equity, gender awareness, gender sensitive, abortion, reproductive health, reproductive rights, and any other term used to deprive Americans of their First Amendment rights out of every federal rule, agency regulation, contract grant regulation, and piece of legislation that exists. That is page one. There's 919 more pages. Okay, no, okay, big, let's it's stop. A big, it's a big find and replace. Yeah. Control F. Huge control F. A lot of replace all. I, I think this is incredible that this is page one. And first of all, they're very close to just abolishing gender, which I feel like would would be a good thing. I think we're all just saying, like, why not just delete gender? Let's then all be non-binary. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's incredible that this document that I think has been pitched and described as something that's like, you know, about to be the death knell or a plan to destroy democracy opens with we need to get rid of civil rights for women and gay people and people of color. Like, like and, that is yeah. how they like they couch it in that it's like anti-woke campaign from the top down. But how did you, you know, 
how'd that read to you? Well, in in paragraph two, he then goes on to to uh, conflate uh, pornography with transgender ideology. Uh, he then he then says pornography should be outlawed and the people who distribute it should be imprisoned. But he's also talking about anyone who is trying to talk about transgender rights. Uh, paragraph three, the noxious tenets of critical race theory and gender ideology should be excised from curricula in every public school in the country. Um, so that's just some of the intro. What it is, is it's the Heritage Foundation's foundational document for the next conservative president's first 180 days in office in 2025. So that that is actually what it purports to be. It is backed by over 80 conservative organizations. The Koch brothers are in on it. I mean, just basically every conservative uh, foundation you can imagine is part of this. And they have interviewed tens of thousands of people already to take part in the next administration. Now, they are open to any conservative president, but because Trump is leading in all the polls, that is where they're putting all their energy right now. That's really interesting to me, and I didn't know that. I thought it was specifically tied to Trump, um, but they're no. saying it could be anybody. Um, I don't see Nikki Haley. Maybe Biden actually would be down for this. He'd be like, oh, thank God, someone's got a plan. Let's go. But um, so where what? OK, so that's all the like anti-woke. It feels very like, you know, uh, DeSantis-esque, but that fool's not going to be the nominee. But what about the anti-democratic stuff? It, it They're like, you know, like what are the plans laid out and what are mm -hmm. things like uh, Schedule F? Explain that. Okay, well, first, it's based on the unitary executive theory, right? And this is the idea. It's an extreme reading of Article 2 of the Constitution. But basically, they're saying that the executive, the president, has complete control of the government. Uh, this has been debated for decades in legislation, but they are taking it to the extreme. And, the, and because, again, Trump, Trump already tried initiating some of this in his last Right. Uh, presidency, which includes Schedule F. So Schedule F was implemented into law in October 2020. And basically, it's a way to get civil servants. These are non-elected, non-government employees of the federal government. This is to strip them of any rights. And basically, it's a way to fire them very easily. And that's mm -hmm. what Schedule F is. When Biden took office, he repealed it. But Trump or Heritage wants to bring it back on day one of the next presidency. And it's it's just a way for them to say whether or not you're a loyalist. And specifically, um, they they have a checklist of questions that they ask people who want to work in the administration that they have to fill out. And these these questions include things like, the permanent institutions of family and religion are foundation to, foundational to American freedom and the common good. Life has a right to legal protection from conception to natural death. The U.S. needs nationalized health care. Like if you say yes on this, you're not going to you're not going to get involved. There's about 15 questions that they ask that are all of this nature. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I guess. That's insane. And it is I just want to explain what's happening, though. It sounds like they're paving the way to mass fire a bunch of federal employees. Yes. But then 50, also 
50,000 federal employees, but simultaneously, and um, I read that Heritage Foundation and Project 2025 folks are like, I guess, recruiting at things like the Iowa State Fair. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, they're getting people to sign up to kind of fill in those posts or those roles uh, as just loyalists, which, Derek, I was saying if Trump serves again, serves, if he is elected again, um, it will be literally just the first 10 people that reply to his truth social. Like if you like, uh, it's like, you know how like every YouTube video, there's someone who's like first that guy's like the department of defense head. Like That guy, that guy runs yeah. the, the secretary is the secretary of the interior. Like, you know, like just first, first one, just someone drawing yeah. a penis, just coming like that <laughs> dude. Well, so anyway, it's yeah. sort of, it's sort of a yes. end because mm -hmm. Yes, but also what Heritage is doing, they realized that when Trump came into office, we know he was completely unprepared. He had nothing in place. That's why so many positions went unfulfilled, went un, uh, unfilled. Right. So what they're doing is they're vetting people who are guaranteed to be loyalists to his agenda, and they're getting the, them ready. So it's more like he'll if he comes in he'll be like okay who who's in this position and heritage be like we got him all ready for you here it is this is wild and my question is does trump know about project 2025 uh i want you to answer that after we watch this clip because um even sean hannity who is notorious for not asking trump any hard questions but it seems like and you can hear and i know that this is he was told to ask this by producers because I've been asked by producers to like, make sure you ask it. Does he want to be a dictator? Cause everyone's really concerned that if he's reelected, he's going to, you know, just go full Caesar on us. So Sean Handy sort of was like, well, I have to ask. And here's his response to that question. Yeah. Under no circumstances, you are promising America tonight. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one. Except Look, for? He's going crazy. Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border and I want to drill. That's drill, not a that's, drill. That's not, no, no. that's not retribution. I got I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, he keeps, <laughs> we love this guy. He says, You're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, No, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. So that, okay? that, that sounds to me like you're going back to the policies <laughs> when you were president. No, 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 but I'm trying to kiss your ass and you won't let me. <laughs> so here's two things about that. Number one, Trump doesn't think being a dictator is bad. The idea that he thinks that's frowned upon, he's like, no, 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 except for day one. And, and some guy's like, hell yeah. You heard like the one guy in the back? No, he thinks it's great. Um, and he was admiring Xi Jinping. He was like, you know, I should be president for life. That's great. So anyway, that, that I wanted, I forgot what the second thing I wanted to point out other than it sounds like he might be clued into this whole project 2025 thing, but what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first off, it should be pointed out that Biden is doing more drilling now than ever in American history. So that's its own problem. So the idea that he's promoting that he's going to do more is insane, but Besides that, the oil companies um, don't the, want to. It's the oil companies who are like, no, 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 we want to hold that. You know, it's the whole like regulating the price, you know, scarcity, drive up the price, blah. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of heritage, they have already met with with Trump. They've met with Nikki Haley. They've met with Vivek Ramaswamy. They've met with RFK Jr. So they are they are their tentacles are going everywhere right now. Have they met gonna, with Cornell West? 
I that I don't know. I haven't I haven't read on that yet. Um, but but for, um, the the person that drew up Schedule F in the first place was James Shirk, who is a former research fellow at Heritage. So he's a lot of the people who have written chapters on of uh, uh, of project 2025 because it's a number of different conservatives who've written them were in the trump administration this includes gene hamilton who wrote the chapter on the department of uh, justice for project 2025 and roger severino was in the hss yes. hhs and he also wrote the chapter on hhs so there were a lot of people around in the last administration that heritage's heritage has identified to be really leading this agenda next time. So Trump is fully aware that he, I mean, basically if he's given a playbook and they'll take care of it for him, of course he's going to do it. Yeah. Okay. So talk about that chapter on the justice department. What, what do, does that spell out? Well, okay. So a big picture heuristic about this is basically strip every agency of all of its power and then replace it with conservative ideology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm replacing it with a it's, meme, it's just, it, it, it really is. The so big dog, so, like that big, you know, that dog, the doge of anyway, keep going. So, I don't know. So, so the, the, so with, um, Gene Hamilton with the department of justice chapter, first off, he talks about the alleged misconducts of the FBI, which includes Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, and the DOJ's actions against parents protesting school board decisions. What they're talking about is, again, going back to transgender issues and about book burnings, right? So, I mean, there is so much conspiracy theorizing in this yeah. uh, in this document. But, uh, I mean, this the Severino chapter is its own thing. That's what I'm focusing on with conspirituality. But with the Justice one, what he wants to do is restore the FBI's integrity by renewing focus on violent crime in inner cities. What does that mean? Um, he wants to dismantle criminal enterprises and pursue a national security agenda that doesn't target U.S. citizens. So they talk a lot about... That's just um, about January 6th, right? It's just like, exactly. stop going after Jan Sixers. But does I'm sure they also want to stop going after, you know, the protesters who are under RICO charges in Georgia for protesting Cop City. Surely those folks are being treated unfairly. Um, no, they're not. No, they there's don't a, there's shit a about leftists. <laughs> There's a ton, there's a ton of coded language that's not even coded in some of the chapters. I will say the justice one is a little more restrained in terms of being a little more legalistic in the language. The Severino one, he's basically like um, he like strip HHS and the CDC of all powers, yet require the tracking of all medical procedures of women. It Jesus says it blatantly in this document. Jesus and, fucking Christ. And that's why I'm kind of banging my head with this because most progressives that I've talked to have no idea this document exists. Yeah. And I, the amount of money and time and effort by the top conservative think tanks and organizations that are going into this singular project right now should be very alarming to everyone. But, I, mean, I mean, I don't even know if the Democrats, like forget progressives. I don't even know if like Democrats and like yeah. mainstream news outlets truly cover this, but NATO, please. I was going to say, Derek, I mean, but uh, aren't there uh, 80 Democratic organizations that have signed on to the Democratic Project 2025 that have oh, 160 actually, double. Yeah. We have a plan too. 
Great plan. Uh, it's vote blue no matter who. It rhymes. You, you, does your plan rhyme? No. <laughs> this has always been one of my issues with liberals. I don't know if you guys guys have seen uh, Rustin, the, the Netflix um, the documentary on Bayard no, Rustin. Not no, a documentary, awesome. not a documentary. It's a movie on Bayard okay. Rustin, who, of course, was the architect behind uh, the I have a, the the uh, the March on Washington, which resulted in the I have a dream speech. He was the guy who created it. But because he was an openly homosexual black man, he was kind of pushed aside for a number right. of reasons. Right. But there's a moment in there and early in the movie where he's talking about the fact that um, that the conservatives are eating their lunch while the liberals are arguing over all these minor points. And the whole march was a response to that. And I feel like we're in a similar situation right now with all of our civil rights, because there are so many little factions and tribes and just can't, can't get things together on the democratic side. Meanwhile, the infrastructure behind the conservative agenda right now is is resulting in in something something that anyone can do what i did which is go and download it from their website and yeah. you can see it for yourself and talk about it you know what it, it kind of brings me full circle back to sort of some of the zionist propaganda and a lot of the ways that um it has been used to divide the left and any kind of gains that nato was talking about because you know one of those um I think countervailing movement forces for me was the women's march and the incredible group of women that came together to head that that then disintegrated in part uh because of false claims of anti-semitism right and um you know ousting zara bilu from that organization a muslim woman who um i think zara worked with care i believe or 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 another organization i apologize zara but like you know she, like again over the same shit and it's like these really scary um purity tests i don't know like like on all sides right but um anyway all to say like i felt like the women's march was a thing was was a movement was a moment you know hillary clinton did not come which in my book was a win and i was there in dc massive haven't seen more people in my entire life come out to a demonstration um and it folded and so there's a lot of ways that um and it's not just in the, this country i think a lot, a lot of the ways that democrats and establishment liberals um deliberately crush left movements that actually can provide um countervailing visions mm -hmm. narratives plans um for real democracy um and like yeah actual representation so i'm anyway i did want to ask you because the Heritage Foundation never struck me, but maybe I'm getting my foundations confused as that crazy of a foundation. I thought it was more of a run-of-the-mill conservative think tank. Is this a drastic turn for them, or is this kind of where they've been headed because they see where the wind is blowing? I I feel like I've tracked them for a, a, a while, you know, and I, I just finished reading the 700-page History of the Cokes, Cokeland, which is a fascinating book, too. And yeah. you can kind of see the way that radicalization has happened in these conservative organizations. I don't, I can't speak enough about the history of heritage, but I will say when Kevin Roberts took over, it definitely took a turn to being more radicalized. If you go on his Twitter feed, he was on Fox this morning calling 
the the crisis at the border, the lawlessness, the the uh, an, an existential threat to America, and it's baked into Project Twenty Twenty Five because they want to demonize immigrants. They want to give no rights to immigrants whatsoever. Um, part of one of the people who uh, Gene Hamilton, by the way, is the person who overturned DACA. So he wrote the Department of Ju uh, Justice chapter in this. Jesus. So I feel like the Roberts tenure since then it has definitely been much more much more blatant and much more in your face because the whole thing is that they want to fill the government with 50,000 conservative Chugs. loyalists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's not hidden. They're saying exactly that under the unitary executive theory theory. So these are people who are willing to take a job in the government in order to promote whatever that president wants to promote. There is only one hope, I think we all agree, which is for K-pop stands on TikTok in Gen Z yes. to infiltrate the conservatives applying for government positions and flood, oh my God. flood the application flood the zone with left-wing K-pop stands from TikTok. They I gotta did that. find where you can download that. I mean, Axios has it on their website. That's how I read their the uh, application process. But I don't know exactly where the where Heritage has it. I love housed. the idea that all these <laughs> these MAGA idiots are on Axios citing like, no, they're not. I'm sure it's circulating on Truth Social and whatnot, and they're finding it. But yeah, first of all, NATO, that's a great plan that must happen. I mean, the other question is like, you know, as all the Lib podcasts ask, can he? even do that like um can we do that like it seems like if biden can do one fucking thing i'm not even asking him to win the election um which yes it is in his hands to win i'm asking for him or us to somehow pad the government trump proof it if we have to leave or he has to leave right like can't we stop this and or why do you even need this when they already have the fucking Supreme Court? Anyway, that them's my thoughts. I was just I'm just this is me just waxing. But I, I do think that it is nice to nice. It's important to remember that something like this exists and that uh, as we sort of we cannot flat afford to flatten um, a Trump v. Biden matchup as awful as biden has been and as undeserving i would say of our vote that he is and 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 yeah um because what would happen under another trump administration uh i mean i don't know is there a part there where they said and then there's another election or are we just doing away with that as well unitary executive doesn't sound good for that prospect <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, this is the, yeah, it's like the originalist of the constitution, right? It's like the unitary theory. I mean, they were trying to claim that when it came to, mm -hmm. uh, what was it? I mean, everything really with Trump, anything that he did illegal, um, including trying to overturn the election. Oh, it's a unitary theory, blah. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not as confident that, I mean, we did see a number of institutions stand during Trump's presidency but we're also seeing the fallout from that which what's happening in texas right now with karen cox and the yes. abortion case like this the consequences and repercussions will be felt even well beyond the next election but then what is added to it after that is what's really frightening and you know i i'm agreeing with you about 
certain aspects of, of Biden's tenure and whether or not he's deserving of the vote. I'm on board with that. And I hate thinking in binaries because none of this deserves that. Everything we do on our podcast is trying to look beyond binaries. Right. But sometimes binaries are important. And right now we're facing one of those instances. Sure. sure. I mean, it, yeah. The, I mean, I, I, well, you know, to me, it's like the, the, there, there are layers of it. It's like, I mean, I think I, I would say I don't, I don't quite see the environment in terms of like I think Biden, Biden, Bidenomics have been pretty good in many ways. Like the National Labor Relations Board under Biden has been the best it's been in my lifetime, for example. And there's been there's like a fucking ton of horrible things, including most, including supporting genocide and gaza and etc um and so you know given that it's but i also think like it's just so infuriating to me that you know the center loves to attack the left like francesca's saying and then i mean this is the the, the history of politics since the french revolution right. the center attacks the left and then ends up getting consumed by the right because they have no left flank to defend them um and it happens again and again and they never learn that lesson and so you know where i would look for you know my hope would be that the that the expanding the field of struggle in the electoral arena to include defense of you know squad type candidates and more squad type candidates running in down ticket races is is the best and only hope for any kind of renewal um because we're not going to get it from from biden yeah and and i i think that that just to double down on that i really do think that if people are feeling despair which i am i think you know telling APAC to go fuck itself uh, next election, I think is really important. And I would say to please donate to the squad members who have spoken out for ceasefire. And I know some of them have signed these like bullshit resolutions that equate anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism. I know a lot of that is like, like I, I don't, it's, it's meaningless. It's words. Um, I do think we have to defend them against the hundred million dollars or more that are coming at them from, from the far right. Uh, because they, we, we wouldn't have any kind of disagreement around this genocide happening were it not for them. The thing I wanted to pick up on was, you know, about, um, is it, was her name Cox in, um, in Texas? Um, she who is being forced to carry basically a fetus that has trisomy 18, I believe, that will not survive uh, out for much long if if she does deliver and she will not be able potentially to have more children. Um, should she continue to carry this pregnancy? It has been you know decided by the Supreme Court that she cannot have an abortion to save basically her reproductive life. Um, like. And I think we keep on sort of like hammering it, but isn't, look, she wants to be a mom. She already has two kids. She, isn't this an exception? Ooh, ooh, please, Christian nationalist psycho. Like, please give us an abortion in this case. And it's like, no, 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 babe, you miss, you misunderstood everything. That's yeah. not what they care about. They don't give a fuck about that. And, and I'll, I'll direct you to Gaza, right? I'll direct us to the lives being lost, the babies being murdered, right? The amount of civilians and children, and they are propped up, not just by Israel that says it's the most moral army in the world, but also by the far right in this country that says that it's pro-life. It doesn't matter when the project is ethno-nationalist fascism, all baby and control of women's bodies, which is part of that. All babies, all exceptions, all women, all people who want it, all good Christians, it doesn't matter. You're a fucking number in their body count 
to their project. And the right in this country loves what they see over in Israel. They love the walls. They love that apartheid wall. They love what's going on. Um, they want to do it to our U.S. border. Um, so I just, again, we try to keep on like holding up this moral example of like, ooh, but what about this person? They don't care. They never will care. No, and to add to the to the Cox story, though, with that condition, there is a less than one percent chance that the baby could survive to being a teenager. If that were the case, that baby would need to be on extreme medical care for her entire life, right? With machines, and and so the same people who are arguing against her having an abortion, I'm sure, would not appreciate the uh, federal subsidization of all of that healthcare money, which would cost in the millions of dollars. So the hypocrisy has many layers to it. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I've done reporting in El Salvador about this, but like this, one of the scariest things, and we're very close to it is that babies there because the right to a f the unborn is in their constitution, which we all need to fucking fight that if if and when, and they're already putting it into state constitutions, um, but in the U.S. Constitution, um, if a baby is born and if it's like literally dying and or maybe even dead, they give it all the medical treatment as if it weren't already dead or already dying. How fucking cruel and pointless and s disgusting is that do you know what i'm saying so it's like if i'm a mom i have a stillbirth they give it they have to like they're supposed to go through the motions because right to life even though the baby is dead it's just it, it's so cruel if if this episode hasn't been uplifting enough just to really hammer <laughs> on the point severino's uh, chapter on hhs includes this paragraph about what he wants to uh, hhs to represent because liberal states have now become sanctuaries for abortion tourism, HHS should use every available tool, including the cutting of funds, to ensure that every state reports exactly how many abortions take place within its borders, at what gestational age of the child, Jesus. for what reason, the mother's state of residence, and by what method. So masks are off. Like this is this is, this is Christian nationalism. In 920 pages, if anyone can sit through all that. No, exactly. And now with our technology, I mean, and you're seeing it again, I'll bring it back to Gaza, but like now with AI and tracking, it's like, and the things that we've already seen in terms of women seeking abortions being tracked on, um, you know, tech platforms, they can do that and they will be able to do that. And um, anyway, uh, Derek Bears, what a pleasure. I mean, just <laughs> look, there is my goddamn day. There is good news, though. Which is that the Republicans don't like reading. Um, <laughs> they won't like, get to all 920 pages. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be well, like. Some of them like writing, obviously. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody, listen to Conspirituality. Um, obviously, if you don't also have the book, Conspirituality, Derek. Uh, co-author, uh, How New Age Conspiracy Theories Became a Health Threat. Derek, when's your episode on Project 2025 coming out? It'll be the first Thursday in January. Nice. Um, you guys do such incredible work, and thank you so much for reading it so we don't have to <laughs> appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, come back very Same. soon. Oh, of course. Thank you. Thank you. And NATO, we have one more segment. Are you ready? Uh.
Is it yeah. is it less depressing than anything we've done so far? I think so, but it also could get very dark. But we decided okay. that if you didn't know, so many Christmas classics have been written or were written by Jews. That's right. Uh, classic music songs, music songs like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, written by Johnny Marks, who wrote a bunch of other stuff. Holly Jolly Christmas. Um, he, uh, what's the other one? Oh, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, I think he wrote. Um, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, written by Sam Sammy Kahn. I'll Be Home for Christmas, words by Buck Ram, music by Walter Kent. It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, Eddie Paula. White Christmas, Irving Berlin, um, Winter Wonderland, Felix Bernard. These are all Jews who wrote the like just the best Christmas songs. The none of the crappy ones are on there. Although Sleigh Ride, I don't know what that song is. I have no idea. Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, also written by. Now, I didn't know if you guys all knew that, but it, it kind of blew my mind when I found that out. Nato, did, did you know that your people have given us some incredible Christmas classics? Uh, I mean, this sounds like like you know, people like Jews love doing this shit about like, did you know so and so was Jewish? Did you know the Jews invented blah blah blah? Like, <laughs> like one year from for my birthday, someone gave me a book called Jews Who Rock that was like a like a book that was like all the Jews in heavy metal bands. Uh, <laughs> you were like so directory. So anyway, uh, I like I don't like Christmas music. Um, so, but I could have guessed that Jews wrote a bunch of the songs. Why is that? Fucking Jews, man. <laughs> we don't have anything to do on Christmas. Except right. Compose a ditty. Exactly. Let's compose some music and hopefully make some money. Um, but here's the thing. In a time of, you know, ongoing genocide and ongoing gaslighting um, by the state of Israel about how everything that isn't anti-Semitic is anti-Semitic, um, otherwise known as Hasbara, the propaganda attempts at propaganda and there is literally a, a Hasbara manual um, that teaches you how to do propaganda around Israel teaches you how to do things like pink washing or like you know saying it's complicated when it's really not complicated or misdirecting or all these kinds of things um, I decided to create a game called ruin a classic with Hasbara so what if these songs were written by I don't know the IDF this is ruin a classic I didn't forget to play the interstitial. There you go. There Can you I go. tell you, by the way, I'm as a Jew, I'm incredibly worried about this because like so many of the contributions of Jewish culture come from our experience and our history as an oppressed and marginalized people. Right. Like that's where Jewish humor comes from. Right. You cannot claim to be an oppressed, marginalized people when you have nuclear weapons and $100 million in tank ammunition provided by the Biden administration. And so I'm worried. I mean, it's not. The yeah, you're you're losing your whole edge here. But like, like, I, I hope I just want people to understand that that Zionism, by which I mean the Jewish nationalist project, is actually an existential threat to Jewish humor. And I yeah. That. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, nobody like the bully is never the funny one. That's right. Um, although those TikTok videos making fun of Palestinians are hilarious. All right. So this mine get really dark, NATO. I don't know if you wrote any down, 
But we got a lot of songs. Again, yes, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Let It Snow, I'll Be Home for Christmas, White Christmas, Winter Wonderland. Um, I've got It's the Most Wonderful Crime of the Year. Huh? Okay, good. That's It's very light, very lightweight. It gets darker. Okay, turn it up. Keep going. <laughs> okay, how about um, I'll do one. I'll do one. Okay, do you do one. Uh, but I'm not going to sing. Don't sing. Uh, let it snow white phosphorus. I have, I'm dreaming of white phosphorus. I have to sing some of these. Yeah. Um, I like Let It Snow, White Phosphorus. Here's my other one. This I thought was fairly clever. Uh, rocking around the Christmas tree, rally around the Christian right. They're our only real ally. Uh-huh, good. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? Um, uh, do you want hear what I hear? Air raid sirens? <laughs> this always always gets me in the holiday spirit um i have uh rudolph the red-nosed reindeer rudolph the red cross ambulance has a shiny logo uh, and if you ever saw it you would even say it looks like a moth <laughs> okay good yeah it's very dark it's gonna get worse uh-huh um keep okay. going Okay, darker? All right, here we yeah. go. Matt helped me with this one. So this is Let It Snow by Sammy Kahn. Uh, well, the bombings outside are... Hang on. <clears throat> How, what, what note do I do this? The bombings outside are frightful. And Amy Schumer is so delightful. Gazans have no place to go. Let them row, let them row, let them row. There we go. Mm. And the mm. least tasteful of all of them. And I sang it. You're welcome. Clip that up, bitch. I dare you. Yeah, you're never going to be president of an Ivy League college now. God damn it. I was so close. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, this is this is what has, this is basically it. I mean, look, first of all, we're ruining these classics. I think we need to celebrate these, I think, largely American Jews who wrote these beautiful songs. I like Christmas music. It all depends. Um I don't like the like there's one that I find awful. I can't remember which one it was. Um but I do like how sad and nostalgic a lot of them are and like, you know, like may your days be merry and bright. Like that dude is like few whiskeys deep, you know. There's a lot of boozy eggnog going down. So much boozy eggnog, so much like admitting uh, I cheated on you. I'm a failure, you know, or like, I'm not your real dad. There's like a lot of that. But next year, I will be a real dad. I don't know why that came to mind. Um, Holly Jolly Christmas. That's a fun one. But yeah. Um, Nato, how are you celebrating the holidays? Have you had a, a Hanukkah? Uh, I've had a little bit of a Hanukkah. Um, uh, you know, my uh, Hanukkah my favorite holiday celebrating uh terrorist action by religious extremists against a foreign occupier uh, <laughs> that is is it actually i don't even really is that actually what the story is yeah the story is, so the story is that this, i know the this is, this is in the second century bc you know about the miracle of the oil but it's in the second the oil the second century bc uh the seleucid empire is occupying uh is occupying the middle east is this is so the um uh the the it's the um 
the Seleucid Empire? Yeah, they're I think they're Greeks. Um Oh, I thought I thought it was like they're just they just reign with like massive amounts of jiggly thighs, the cell Yeah, I got so, it. I I see yeah. what you're doing there. Um mm -hmm. so and and I want to say that the that the king that the king over the what where the the Judea at the time is like you know is one of the Alexanders, um, but the Maccabees, which was one Jewish sect that were like religious ideologues that attacked okay. other Jews for being too moderate uh, or collaborating with this with this with the with the occupiers you know, took to the mountains and then waged a, a, a you know, guerrilla struggle against the foreign occupiers, um, uh, ultimately win, and then invented gambling and, uh, and uh, fried food. That sounds great. Yeah. Where does the eight crazy nights come in with the oil? Or is so, that was part of it? So supposedly after they oust the occupiers, the the there's a there's the miracle of the lamp where they go they look they want to rededicate the temple and they they can only find they find a small amount of oil and they light the lamp and then it keeps burning for eight days even right. though they thought they only had enough light and so that's the that's where the eight nights uh comes in i actually i went to i i went to temple this last weekend and the rabbi's wow. remarks about Hanukkah, this is a, I think it was a good observation. It was funny. Like imagine at the time, like before the existence of Hanukkah, they find the oil. They're like, we need to light this lamp. Then, and they don't know that like, they don't know about the eight days thing yet. They don't know it's going to be eight days. They just, they think we don't have enough oil. We're going right. to light the lamp. And then the lamp keeps burning. And so, like, you have to imagine that there are some people wandering around the temple being like, man, this fucking lamp isn't going out. Like, let's wrap it up with the lamp, you guys. I got shit to do. <laughs> I've got some lambs to slaughter and whatnot. We just won a war. I, I need to, I need to, I need to moisturize. Uh, <laughs> like, what are we, what are we doing here? With That's what you're going to do after that. Right, right, right. Look, it's a moment of, of uh, yeah, celebrating your victory. I don't know. Like, I like I, that like, that's like when I the imagine, revolution is over. You're like, oh, I need to moisturize. This triumphant moment of like, oh, my God, we won. And now we're going to light a lamp to celebrate. And then you're like, oh, it's it's. Then you think you're Eight like. days. Oh, my God. It's like it's it's exhausting. It's like Burning Man. You're like there the whole time. Yeah. Might as well write a Christmas hit at this rate. Yeah. And eight days is plenty of time to write some good Christmas music. Um, so thank you, American Jews, uh, for writing those hits. And you're welcome for ruining them. Nato Green, where can people find you, follow you, listen to your stand-up? Uh, people can um, uh, listen to my stand-up online. I have two albums out, the Nato Green Party and the Whiteness album. Uh, the best place to buy them is on Bandcamp. I get the most uh, royalties there. You can also find me. The best place to find me online is at Mr. Nato Green on Instagram and now Threads, I suppose. Oh, um, Threads. Since I've mostly abandoned Twitter as an anti-Semitic cesspool of misinformation. Jesus. But but Elon uh, touched uh, t touched the ground in... Uh in uh, israel and was, never have know? i wished so much for a smiting as when i saw elon and Netanyahu in the same in the same I place mean, at the same time what i re what i was gonna say to derek that i didn't mention is basically project 2025 just sounds like what elon did to twitter like that's what they want to do to the u.s government like, we don't need advertisers we don't need trading partners um anyway uh nato you're the best 
Love you. I'll see you. In, I'll see you in person at Sketchfest, bro. God damn right. T- January twenty seventh and January twenty eighth. Everybody get tickets right now. Uh, link in the bio. I assume. I assume. Um, some comments, and then we'll fuck off into the night. Lenny Power says a cab applies to cop twenty eight as well. I love that. Um, as NATO said, uh, Donald James, thanks for being a member. Israel put a flag right in the middle of Gaza. Yeah. Also a like rainbow flag, a gay pride flag, um, which was just extra special and awful shells ghost. Oh, I should tell NATO NATO. I love your standup, especially your Foucault joke. I'll tell NATO to sign back on and, and, uh, and, uh, get some of this love. Cause there's a lot of other people who have love for NATO green. Um, it's just Vegas bringing some Matt Lieb. You almost spelled his name right. I should bring back in some Matt Lieb. Uh, Naked Comedy, what's up? I don't. I just don't get why Jewish Homeland has to be no one else but Jewish people. I mean, and when it's another religion, right, like Iran or like, excuse me, or like Islam and Iran, it's like, oh, they're backwards and da 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 And it's like, well, it's, it's you know, it's the same principle. It seems like there's supremacy around Islam there. Um... Yeah, it can still be a Jewish, uh, well, I don't know about a Jewish majority, but like a place that is safe for everyone. How about that? Howard Wilson, uh, it's 9,200 dead children now, actually. I mean, that makes sense given that it's about 18,000 plus uh, civilians dead. It's always sort of about half. Um, late Boomer Bloomer 66 on Twitch, sometimes I feel like one of the most horrible persons on the planet because I want Israel to go away. I understand support and support Jewish people all over the planet, but damn, do we have to kill an entire population for Israel to quote unquote exist? I mean, I think with that kind of language, obviously you'd be dragged out in front of Congress and at least Stefanik would punish you. Um, I mean, I, I don't think the answer is go away. I think the answer is change, right? But the problem is, is when we call on Israel to change, they interpret that and their, you know, sort of handmaids and their propagandists interpret that as wanting them to go away, wanting Israel to not exist, wanting everyone to not be there anymore. And it's like, no, that's not what we're saying. And also we're saying words and you're actually carrying out an ethnic cleansing of Gaza. You're carrying out a mass removal of Gazans. You are displacing them. You have actively discussed pushing them into the desert. Um, where they can live in refugee camps. I mean, literally live under tarps and the UN can serve them once we stop killing United Nations workers. That is what is being discussed um, with no real seriousness because if you wanted there to be a refugee population, you might want some of them to survive and given not just the bombing, but the famine, the disease, um, you are ensuring that so many more than 18,000 and counting um, will die. Um, And again, that's the plan. This is not a large population. It's a dense population. It is not a large population. Owen Nogles, thank you so much for your super chat. Hi, Franny. Love, love, love your show. Wishing you all the best. I love you. Thank you for your super chat. Uh, Richard Hadak on YouTube. Stefanik is a hack attacking independent institutions like the media and universities part of the authoritarian playbook. Yeah. And the fact that they fucking just fell right into that trap is like, who are you? I get you're at an elite institution, but come back down to earth where shit sucks. 
Michael Mathern, uh, all she did was state what the rules were, not her personal opinions. Firing her for that was absurd in terms of, yeah, the, the president of UPenn. You know, part of the story that I didn't actually get to was that she was under fire for not canceling a, like, Palestinian literary event. And this was before October 7th. And after October 7th, there was even more pressure as if the literary event caused Hamas to do what they did. Um, a Gonzalez on this entire thing. Are we going to ignore the fact that they got her fired over a hypothetical? No examples of calling genocide of Jews are provided. And yet we're acting like it was exactly. And they didn't stand up to that. I mean, they didn't push back on that. There's a million reasons why she might have resigned. Potentially, potentially, she also resigned from uh, the people who thought she did a terrible job in the hearing. Then again, she's provided by UPenn's lawyer. I mean, she's lawyered by UPenn. She's advised by UPenn. She's supported by UPenn. She, again, she is one person, but she is representing the entire institutions. Her, you know, um, her fumbles are their fumbles. Her mistakes are their mistakes. So, but you're right. In at its core, what Stefanik and the premise of the question was false. This is basic. This is, you have, how many times have we seen healthcare workers, um, you know, tech employees be hauled in front of Republican-led Congress and congressional hearing and, and told, you know, is it true that you stifle, you know, right-wing tweets and you suppress them and they're like, no, it's not true here. In fact, if anything, uh, we come down, clamp hard more on the speech of like, you know, left-wing demonstrate like progressives or, um, you know, isn't it true that you believe that like five-year-olds can self-perform gender reassigning surgery, like the most wildest claims you sit down in front of a Republican congressperson in a hearing, you bet your ass you are going to be facing some of the most wildest claims about you, your profession, your institution. And instead of reading the room, those professor, or th those presidents just said, yeah, mm -hmm, we are bad. We are evil. We are the genocide uh, committers. Or, you know, we do talk about Jewish genocide. No, you don't. You didn't. Nobody did. <sighs> Rachel Atwood, it's a little too convenient to blame Petro states. Exactly. I mean, yay Al Gore, I guess, for speaking out against this. But like, the shit was doomed from long before that. Um, Les Watts says, I'll be dead in 20 years or less, but I want my daughter to have a planet fit for living. Is that too much to ask? Yes, says the capitalist bastards. And, and yet the majority of us say, no, you, you're right. It is not too much to ask. It's just Vegas. I can cook a car on my egg this summer. So we're close to hell. Um, Gary DeForve on YouTube, I thought the Heritage Foundation basically gooms every conservative Supreme Court justice. Um, no, that is the other, um, conglomerate of asswipes. Um, nearly though. Uh, d d d Lenny Powers, I think it's safe to say John Fetterman can kick rocks. Oh, yeah, I unsubscribed to that dude's email list. I was like, and they were like, why? And I was like, genocide apologists. Bob Watkins on you on Twitch. Does the left have an equivalent plan of Project 2025? Not that I've seen. Gary Cooper, I agree with NATO as Israel has become an imperial power and become identified with Judaism and has compromised both Jewish faith and Jewish traditional values. Yes, and I think Jews on the front lines of this struggle for, um, you know, a ceasefire and an end to the violence have said this exact same thing. Um, 
I had to highlight this comment because I thought it was great. Green New Dealer Dragon. I saw Mama with Santa last night. It was I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. I saw Hamas kissing Netanyahu before October 7th. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for everybody's comments and for weighing in, guys. Oh, my God. This show. I, did, I didn't even load the fart song. What's wrong with me? What's wrong? What is wrong with me? It's like I don't even care about my boy Kevin McLeod no more. Um but uh let's let's get to it. This is the fart song. Let's go to Twitch first. Mini Mud 1991, resubscribe to tier one, eight months strong. I love you. Undead Pixels, I love you for giving out four community subs. Frank Morning Tree get resubscribe for one month. Said hello. Undead Pixels, another gifted sub. Another one. Another one. That farts for you. Late Bloomer 66 cheered a thousand bits and said a lot of love to NATO. Hey NATO, tell I, I want to tell you I live in the SF Bay and I'm hating that I will not be able to see you in person due to circumstances, but love and will be sitting at home hating that I'm not there. Hopefully you can listen after the fact. Um, Tipper Ray Dragon, thank you so much for resubscribing. And Undead Pixels coming through with five more community subs. You're wonderful. And thank you to new patron at $10 or more, Melvin Honeybee. What a name. I love it. Thank you so much for supporting this show. Thank you to Paige Omek, Maximilian Inhoff, and our editor, Andy Vasoyan. We stream Tuesdays and Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Follow the show on Twitter, Habituation Pod, TikTok, and Instagram, at Habituation Room. Um, and remember to get your tickets for January 27th and 28th. And remember to fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, free Palestine, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye-bye.